Maybe you went to a championship one day. Get that gold jacket like I never got. Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? Yeah. Oh! oh! Welcome to episode 40 of the Off Guards podcast, being recorded on Thursday, April 11th, first day of the Masters. Episode 40, uh, we've said it before, we've probably done way too many, and uh, if you're still listening, we appreciate you mom, dad, grandma, L, <laughs> and uh, those people who for some reason subscribed a year ago and are not sure why they're still downloading it, we appreciate you. Um, a lot to get through today, Jackson, it's Masters week. I just want to start by last week. I went to WrestleMania on Sunday, which overall I, I enjoyed it. It's I don't follow wrestling since the days of Stone Cold Steve Stone Stone Cold Steve Stunner, um, <laughs> <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, probably because he smashed beers and and drank them or poured them on his face. And the event was fun. We we did some tailgating at the Meadowlands. We took an Uber, which we thought was smart. The event ended at 12.30, which I guess I guess WrestleMania told NJ Transit that it ended at 11.30. So the trains were not ready to run at 12.30. And when 82,000 people are trying to leave the Meadowlands, that's not necessarily the best recipe for success. Yeah, from, uh, from what you told me, you couldn't get into your Uber and, and people couldn't get onto the train for about two hours after leaving the stadium. So if you want to talk about my worst nightmare, uh, one WrestleMania in general, both the crowd that, uh, would be there and <laughs> the actual event itself. I mean, I'm all in for a spectacle. I'm all in for that for a little bit, but if you're talking 20 to 30 matches and then I got to stand around for two hours and wait for an Uber after, uh, yeah, you can count me out on that. Yeah. What made it better was it was pouring, it was pouring so hard that we were actually laughing because it, it was comically raining. And we're in the middle of the parking lot at the Meadowlands. And if you've ever been to the Meadowlands, they have never figured out how to get traffic in and out of there. So shout out to them, whoever designed that. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, a lot of people exaggerate when they say, oh, man, it took me two hours to get home and I only had to go 20 minutes. We left the event at 1230. And I'm not joking, we got into the Uber at 2.45. So, sick NJ Transit holding up that reputation. Love it so much. Uh, what made it better was I did that thing that a lot of northern pale dudes do is uh, you spend the whole winter inside, and then when the weather gets nice, you forget about the sun, and you forget about sunblock. So, we tailgated for six hours, and I was out there you know, just with my pale face uh, in the middle of the parking lot, no hat, no sunglasses, and I woke up the next day, and uh, four days later, my face is peeling, and I'm still roasted all over. So <laughs> shout out to the sun for, for doing his thing, and uh, shout out to me for forgetting about sunblock. Yeah, I uh, I don't think I've ever forgotten about sunblock. It just Sometimes it just doesn't work for me. Um, I don't know what it is with my body. I could put on all the sunblock in the world, somehow I'll still get a little bit of a burn, but uh, I'm glad you made it through the WrestleMania fiasco. Uh, not not a whole lot for me going on this weekend. Watch the Final Four games. Um, 
I tried to watch it Monday night at the bar I normally go to. It was closed at 9 p.m. Or it was closed all day. And then the next bar I went to closed at 9 p.m. So Dallas, uh, I may not have the traffic you're dealing with up there with the whole NJ Transit situation, but uh, the bar I was at that was showing the national championship game closed at 9 p.m. So I'm pretty disappointed with Dallas as a city overall. Yeah, no, that's tough. And um, again, the powers that be are not communicating, so that always helps. I forgot to mention we went to the Mets game on on Saturday, so I was you know we we've trashed baseball a whole lot, and I was trying to be more optimistic, give baseball a chance. And then through the first six innings, it was one nothing, and I was like, "Fuck this sport!" <laughs> Just sitting there w- watching guy after guy pop out or strike out, and I'm like, I don't know anybody on the Mets. If it's the Yanks, I I know everybody on the Yanks, so I can root for them. I can watch the whole game. But I'm watching the Mets. I'm like, oh, there's Robinson Cano. I know that guy. Up oh, strikeout, sick. And uh, <laughs> the game ended up from the sixth inning on. There were uh, six homers, so it ended up finishing actually in exciting fashion. But the first two hours was just watching um, a grown man throw off a little hill to his friend. So that was fun. <laughs> throw off a little hill to his friend. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I try to go to at least one baseball game a year. Used to be in New York, obviously, I'd go to Yankee Stadium. Now I typically go watch the Rangers when they play the Yankees. And every time I go, it's been a disappointment in terms of what I see. That's why I typically try to try to go on the days where it's like $1 hot dog or $1 beer day, which doesn't happen in the Northeast, but it does happen down here. Uh, last year, I believe I had like seven hot dogs and like six beers. Um, and they they stopped, they cut that special off in like the fifth inning. So... I was going over a dog uh, an inning, which was great. Um, <laughs> great average, yeah. which I think brings us to a point, um, talking about good averages. You've been watching this guy. I haven't. You want to give people a rundown on what's going on in the Jeopardy world right now? Yeah, we've we've been big Jeopardy fans. Uh, it's just that 7 o'clock, you know, you're about to eat some dinner or you just ate dinner and uh, – you know, watch some people answer some questions. What, what better American tradition is that? And this guy has been destroying the last five days. So to give a background on him, he's a professional sports better. That means he makes his money betting on sports, which, again, I, I feel like that means he's just in tremendous debt because that's not a thing. But apparently he makes a pretty good living on it. And also in his spare time, he knows every question in the world and every answer. So... <laughs> Through through five days, he's made two hundred and ninety eight thousand dollars. So, just the old sixty k per twenty two minutes of work. So, <laughs> that's a pre- that's a pretty good average. And the all time record for one game was seventy seven grand. And uh, he broke it the other day by thirty three. He ended up with a hundred and ten thousand dollars. <laughs> and what was funny was the final number he ended up having. It was like one ten. 110,009, whatever, it spelled out his daughter's birthday. So he's just literally <laughs> fucking with the rest of the competition. He's like, yeah, look at that. It's my daughter's birthday. Oh, also, yeah, I beat you by 92K, so enjoy that, bra- brainiac. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the funniest part about it, right? Jeopardy normally has, like, PhDs or engineers or, you know, these people who have spent their whole life in academia or hold these high-level positions and are super knowledgeable. And this guy is just absolutely obliterating them while talking about how he makes his living watching and gambling on sports. And uh, it's just, I don't want to say it's like a hero in our gambling community, but 
to watch a guy like that go out and uh, destroy all these, you know, high highly touted academics is just hilarious. Yeah, he's uh, not the hero we need, but the hero we deserve, or something <laughs> like that. I don't know, Batman, whatever. Um, yeah, but Ken Jennings won seventy five games in a row for, and he won a little bit over a million. This guy's won five, and he's a third, almost a third of the way to a million. So, for I just he, I, I hope he keeps racking up wins he won 50 grand yesterday which for anybody else in the world that's played jeopardy would be amazing and it kind of felt like he had an off day so (laughs) you know hopefully he can turn it around tonight and uh it'd be great if he like i don't know what the max you could possibly win if you got every question every daily double and then doubled it in final jeopardy but i hope he does it and he just wins like 280k in one (laughs) game that'd be awesome well yeah i mean the average of it is crazy ken jennings won about a million a little over a million in 75 games that's 14 or 15 grand a game this guy's averaging 60 right now 60 grand a game which if he was to make it 75 games like ken jennings is like four and a half million dollars so if he can continue this pace it'd be unbelievable i kind of think his uh willingness to just bet it all on daily doubles even though he's you know winning is probably what's going to come back to bite him in the ass but until then, I'm going to enjoy this ride of seeing this professional gambler just dominate all these nerds on Jeopardy, and uh, <laughs> we'll see where he goes. He's he's hilarious in his demeanor, too, because he's, he's very straight-faced, and he's been on other game shows, and that's where we originally saw him. He's very straight-faced, very, like, gets a question right, keeps moving on, doesn't react to the fact that he's winning so much money, and he's just fucking with everybody at the same time. I love it. Yeah, and I, I kind of get the feel that... Uh... Uh, Alex Trebek hates him because it's like this guy stands for everything Alex doesn't like professional gambler dominating no emotion his stories like when they interview him in between uh the first round his stories are about like how he he's really spending a lot of his money right now on the NFL or on (laughs) in-game betting and Alex is just like yeah can't you just tell us a story about how you went to Italy one time and like ran into Ralph Macchio or something. Oh, well, and, <laughs> Ralph. <You laughs> I, was tra- I was I was trying to think of a celebrity, and <laughs> I don't know why. The Karate Ralph Kid Macchio was the first one. <laughs> yeah, you ran into the Karate Kid in in the desert. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's a Whatever. whole other topic in itself. Is the what people explain or their their like anecdote on Jeopardy? It's just brutal every time, and there's always one person who like lets on that they love Alex Trebek a little too much. They're always like. You know, I've been watching Jeopardy since I was a kid, and I actually have your photo framed, and it's on my bed bedside stand. And Alex just has to be like, "All righty, we're gonna go move next here to Jonathan." Like, Remember when you got that root canal in '92? I was really rooting for a, a, a quick recovery. Like, what? But I also like how Alex uh, tries to turn eighty uh, percent of the stories about him. Oh yeah. Which, uh, He's a classic story topper. It's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you went to Brazil for two weeks? Yeah, I actually spent a month in Brazil. It's like, all right, dude. I'm actually the sick. goodwill ambassador to Brazil for the United States. Uh, but, no, I love yeah. that. I Ten- love that uh, those stories for once are actually worth watching. Jeopardy's now on, like, Netflix and Hulu and stuff, and we'll throw it on occasionally. We skip over the, the anecdote part because it's just so cringeworthy. But for this guy to – hear two people tell their stories about how they love Alex Trebek and then just be like, you know, I really rode the Broncos to uh, a lot of wins this year and I'm really <laughs> investing my money into live line NHL betting is, is hilarious. <laughs> 
Yeah, it reminds me. Uh, when I was out in Michigan, one night we came back from the bars and it was I don't know two thirty, and I was shit faced, and we <laughs> threw on Jeopardy, and. In my mind, I was doing a really good job, but if I had the videotape, it was probably me, me just being like, "What is, what is, uh, mushroom ravioli?" And I'm like, <laughs> "No," and it's just me just guessing every wrong answer. But I was like, I woke up, I'm like, "Yeah, last night I was crushing Jeopardy," but in reality, I probably got no questions right. So. What is uh, mushroom ravioli? Nope, sorry, it's actually the country of Ecuador. Like, huh? <laughs> Damn, I thought the I thought it said pasta, <laughs> pasta countries. I don't get it. Um, but but yeah, that's enough Jeopardy talk for today. Uh, like we opened with, it is Masters Week. We have it on in the background. Um, the big cat, the tiger, is at even par right now. Early on, he's on the eighth hole. Um, a couple quick things. I know you're leaning towards Rory this week. A lot of people are. He's been dominating. Um, the world right now he won the players championship i think he has like five or six top five finishes in a row and he's never won the masters so i mean it would be a storybook way to do it um i'm leaning towards justin rose he's number one or two in the world right now he has never won a green jacket either so two guys who haven't won it it is tough to break through as as we saw with phil and all those kind of guys um the biggest story right now for me as we're watching, and it's early. This guy named Corey Connors is leading. He's three under through 17, and most people just started their day. But this guy, so I know you don't follow the smaller events, but this guy won the Valero Texas Open last week. But even before then, he had to qualify on Monday, which means he had to show up on Monday of the event. He had to beat out, I can't remember the number, but it could be as many as 50 people for one or two spots. Just to get into the tournament, he gets in and then he wins, and that chain of events is insane because he wouldn't be at the Masters this week. But he went from last week not even qualifying for the Valero Texas Open, which isn't a big event, to now leading the Masters through one day. And he won't be—he won't win it, and he probably won't be leading at the end of today. But he can finish in the clubhouse first and be like, "Yeah, I led the Masters in, in day one, and I wasn't even going to qualify last week." So that's a pretty cool story. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I feel like you you typically see guys like that early on in day one or maybe even day two, and then come weekend time they usually start to crumble. But I wouldn't hate it. Uh, I wouldn't hate him, you know, making a run at it or at least staying relevant. It, it definitely adds a cool storyline. I think the biggest storyline is obviously Tiger, as it always is with everything golf. Um, he he had a bit of a meltdown a couple holes ago, where he just kind of hit a shot and then dropped his iron. Um, but that's the dramatic tiger that I'm looking for. Uh, nobody ever said he was, you know, the most level-headed person of all time. He's definitely very mentally tough, but uh, he tends to slam the club and uh, overreact a little bit. So I like the fire out of him, Hope, hoping to see something. He's rocking the uh, mock turtleneck for this week, which is hilarious. He said he it worked pretty well for him in 2000, so that's why he was bringing it back, which I love. Uh, but also just crazy, to, <laughs> crazy to think that he's referencing a time when he was dominating in 2000, and we're basically 20 years later. Yeah, I remember that week. Uh, the mock turtleneck was really allowing me to. It's like, <laughs> why? <laughs> I can't remember what I wore two days ago. But again, I I didn't win the Masters yeah. uh, 19 years ago. Hundreds of thousands of pictures weren't taken of you two days ago. That's probably why you don't remember it as much. Yeah. But I also only own like six shirts, so you think I'd remember. But um, 
Oh, oh one of the blue shirts. Oh, yep, my Tuesday it. shirt. Um, <laughs> I'll uh, exactly. I'll apologize. I'll apologize here if you can hear a little construction going on in the background. They've been working on the outside of uh, my apartment for a couple of days now, and uh, they actually shut off my air conditioner yesterday. They broke it while they were working on something, and I was cranking my AC because it was like eighty. It was like eighty-eight degrees yesterday down here, and I was cranking my AC, and it wasn't working. And I. You know, I'm working from home type of thing. So I'm just sitting here sweating. So I decided to leave because it's just like something's up. And I guess when I was on my way out, I stopped by the office. And because they had called me previously in the day. And they were like, do you mind if maintenance goes into your apartment to like check some of the vents and stuff? And I was like, oh, I'm actually on my way out. So like, go ahead, send them in. No, no worries. And I get to my car and realize that I left my wallet in my apartment. So I go back to my apartment and I'm there and... <laughs> I'm in the house, and as I'm in the house, like maintenance comes in, and the dude felt so bad because I guess he was told that I wasn't home. So he opens the door, and I come down the stairs. I'm like, hey, how you doing? He's like, oh, sir, I'm so sorry. Uh, I was told you weren't. I'm like, no, it's fine. I just had to get my wallet. He's like, I'll, I'll come back later. I'll come back later. I was like, dude, I don't care if I'm here and I'm showering. Like, fix my fucking air conditioning because yeah. it's too hot so he's got he's got no he's got no pants on he's like yeah i like to work i i like to work with no pants i heard you weren't gonna be here on. i uh work better in the nude I'm like whatever man as long as you fix my air conditioning you can work you can work in my clothes i don't care <laughs> that's gross um but yeah so sh- shout out to texas the weather seems great um though <laughs> what were we talking about oh yeah the masters last last thing on it I want to talk about the best job in the world, and that's this guy I found out uh, reading the story. And again, I didn't do any fact-checking. I just read the story. It could have been an Onion article. It could have been some guy just making it up. But apparently, if an odd number of players make the cut, meaning like if 41 guys qualify for the weekend of the Masters, they play in groups of two. So this guy who's a member at Augusta National – gets to play with the odd man so that the guy so that the PGA player doesn't have to play by himself which if I could sign up for if I could redo life and I could sign up for a job that would be probably number one on the list yeah that that's insanity because we were talking a little bit about this off air but the guy has to be good enough right to like make sure that he's not slowing down play or maybe they make him pick up his ball or something but just to be in such a big time event like that would literally be the equivalent of an NBA team being a roster spot short, but there there being a requirement that they need to have 15 guys on the roster, so they just choose a season ticket holder to come in and and suit up with the team type of thing, and to take it like it would it would be like that, but in the NBA finals. Like, could you imagine last year if the Warriors only had 14 guys because a guy got hurt and was in inactive, and they just take somebody who's like a season ticket holder and suit them up for warmups. And then they're like, yeah, buddy, you need to sit. You're on just the doing layup lines. <laughs> just, like, who the fuck is that guy? Who's that five yeah. foot eight, like fifty three year old man who's just warming up with the Warriors? Yeah, yeah. So he, this guy, he, he doesn't qualify or whatever. It says non competing golfer next to his name, so it's not like he can win the Masters, obviously. But imagine being him, or like, I'm a I'm a pretty good golfer. But if I'm standing on the first tee, let's say I'm I'm partnered up with Justin Thomas. And I have to hit a shot, and there's four thousand people within two feet of me. Someone's getting hurt. Imagine this yeah. dude all day. He's got the nerves, and he's just sculling left and right. And uh, that could that could be a side, a side plot if he if he hurt he hurt like twelve bystanders in his round, and they're just like, all right, dude, 
just <laughs> pick your ball up and move on. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I really got to grind for this eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if he took it way too seriously or if he treated it like it was like his normal round when he's like playing with his buddies, he's, he's just leaning into like Sergio Garcia or Phil Mickelson or whoever he's playing with. And he's like, hey, you seen the cart girl anywhere? I'm trying to get a beer. Um, I'm out on this one. They're like, dude, we're playing the Masters. He's like, all right, all right. You need me to grab one if they come by? Yeah, but I just, you know, shout out to that guy. Um, just an old dude who's a member at Augusta. It's probably the first time something good has happened in his life. And, and I think, you know, good for him that he gets to play in it, in what will be his 20th Masters, I believe. So, Jeez, he's some, probably played, you know, more, played in more Masters than most professional golfers ever. Yeah. So, again, shout out to that guy. He's, he's never had anything good happen in his life. Um, but moving on, sometimes we call ourselves a basketball podcast. Um, our name derives from basketball. So maybe we should talk about it a little bit. A lot has been going on in the last few days, and we said it last week. This time of the NBA year is not necessarily uh, the most exciting or intriguing. Most of the playoff matchups are set, with the exception of a few teams, Uh and we'll, we'll do an end-of-the-season wrap-up at some point. But just wanted to go through the last couple interesting details. First, is anybody in the world shocked that Lonzo Ball's company is unraveling? When you have um, a dad with no business experience who claims he's better than Michael Jordan, who hires people who aren't qualified, is it surprising that millions of dollars have, have been uh, lost and that Lonzo Ball is tattooing over his own brand? So it doesn't seem like a good thing. He's been hurt a bunch, and I just hope he really enjoys his the rest of his career in Memphis. So yeah, not surprising in the least bit. You know, there was a brief moment there where it looked like maybe they could make some sort of uh, actual success out of that company. You know, it was catching on in terms of like social media, and and they were building this big following. But uh, maybe part of the reason Lonzo's hurt is because he's playing in these knockoff shoes all the time, which is not good for just his general body chemistry, but. For his sake, you know, him being a great player, I hope he can step away from it amicably, go down his own path, start wearing regular, comfortable basketball sneakers, and and finish his career <laughs> in a good way while he's in Memphis. Are these good shoes? Have they been tested? No, 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 no. But we're just we're gonna charge five hundred dollars and we're gonna try to compete with Nike and Adidas. So yeah, it's uh, not good for him. I feel like people I feel like people bought the big baller brand shirts ironically. Yeah. Uh, and now it's it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense that the company is going down in flames. So good for him, good for them. Uh, your boy, Jamal Crawford, who you have said might be your favorite player of all time, um, put up 51 in the last game of the year, and he's the oldest dude to score 50 points. Uh, he passed Michael Jordan, so I think by transitive property, he's better than Michael Jordan. Um, the, goat, the goat of scoring 50 points, some would say. Yeah, most would say. Um, but he didn't do it like Kobe did it. He was efficient. He came off the bench. He was 18 for 30, 7 for 13 from 3, uh, 8 for 9 free throws, and he also had 5 rebounds and 5 assists. I mean, the, the Suns lost because the Suns stink. But just an amazing night for, and for a guy who who knows if he's retiring. It looks like he can play for 3 or 4 more years. But one of the underrated scorers in NBA history, one of the toughest guys to guard, an automatic bucket. He's the only guy to score 50 points 
uh, for four different teams. Do you, do you know? Do you know the other three? I, we might have talked about this, but uh, besides the Suns, yeah, he did it on the Knicks. He did it on the Bulls, and uh, I don't know what was what was the other one. The, the last time he did it was with the Warriors in two thousand eight. I kind of forgot that he was on the Warriors. Yeah, um, same. But yeah, he uh, he put up fifty with the Knicks, then got traded to the Warriors and put up fifty with the Warriors. So in two thousand eight, uh, eleven, yeah, uh, eleven years apart. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty crazy. That's a uh, and that's a also- Sports Center stat if I've ever heard it. Like first player to score fifty points on two different teams over eleven years apart. Yeah, and uh, just goes to show you that he uh, has been able to do it for a long time. And he also has the most four-point plays in NBA history, which is an awesome stat to have, uh, which obviously means you get fouled on a three-pointer, make the three-pointer, and make the free throw. He has 60 of them in his career, which <laughs> is, I, isn't, I can only remember one in NBA history, and that's the Larry Johnson four-point play. But it uh, turns out he has 60. So I wanted to do a quick comparison because I'm well-documented as not the biggest Kobe fan. I agree that he's had a great career. He's not in the same conversation as Jordan or LeBron. Um, if if that's if you'd like to talk about that, send me a, a lengthy handwritten letter, <laughs> and I, and I will respond by mail. Um, but his last game, which the topic of our main our main topic today is the the different farewells that have happened in the in the NBA this year and, and comparing to them to some that have happened in history. But Kobe's last game, he scored sixty. He took 50 shots. He was 22 for 50. He took 21 threes, and he only made six. Um, and it was just one of those self-serving, like, oh, look, Kobe got – and everyone's like, well, he got, he did get 60 in his final game. It's like, yeah, he took almost as many shots as he scored points. That's not necessarily efficient. Um, he became the oldest player to score 60 points at age 37, and the Lakers finished the year 17-65. and 65, So – if that's not the most Kobe stat line that you've ever seen, uh, I'd like to hear something different. And how do they compare? Do you think Jamal's is better, more, more, uh, more? It's definitely more productive, but will it be celebrated as much? Probably not. No, not at all, because that's kind of the whole nature of Kobe, right? Everything he did is vehemently defended by Kobe supporters, and you know, argued against by people who don't like him. And I'll say just as a guy who could take or leave Kobe in terms of his placement in the history of basketball, that's a horrible game in terms of efficiency, shooting the ball 50 times when you're 37 years old. And it's Kobe didn't take good shots either. It's not like they were leaving him open. Um, and to only make 22 of them, I mean, 44% from the field isn't horrible, but it's typically not horrible when you go like, you know, four for 10 in that range, not when you go 22 for 50. And to miss 15 threes and only hit six isn't great either. Jamal Crawford's is way more impressive because it was so much more efficient. He was coming off the bench. It wasn't just like this, I'm going to go out there and shoot all these shots because it's all about me. He just legitimately is a great basketball player who came off the bench and just wanted to put the ball in the basket, and he did it a lot. Yeah, and Kobe Kobe defenders won't um, – you can't talk them out of it. They'll be like, no, that was a classic Kobe – and to a fantastic career is part of the show. You know, he wanted to put on a show his last game. Everybody wanted to see it, and he scored 60. So there you go. I mean, it's 
kind of like when David Robinson uh, was either tied or close to the lead in points per game in a season. So the last game, I think he scored 71 or 73 in a clear attempt to win the scoring title. So it, it's kind of that self-serving, like... It's it's like yeah, we- Westbrook, Westbrook when he needed 16 or more rebounds the last game of the year last year to average a triple-double. There was no doubt that he was going right. to get it because he... Like that means so much more to him than anything else. So, yeah, no, it's uh, it is what it is. I'm not going to talk anymore about Kobe. Let's take a quick break and then we'll go through. There was four unique farewells either this year or this week that I'd like to dive into, and maybe we'll say farewell to this podcast. Who knows? That's probably for the best. I'll be back in a second. And we're back. And like I said before, our main discussion today, we wanted to focus on the farewell, the different farewells that happened in the last week um, that have happened throughout this year. And the obvious one to start with is Dwayne Wade. But just to give some background on the overall, the, the four different ones I saw, and maybe you can add a few different ones. Dwayne Wade, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, <laughs> Magic Johnson in the, one of the more bizarre situations I've ever seen on TV. And then Carmelo. And if you're wondering why Carmelo's a farewell, well, he only played 10 games this year, so clearly he's not playing basketball at the moment. But let's dive into what I call the Wade farewell. And I think it has an overarching theme. This is the – and we've kind of crushed Wade this year, which who cares? He's not going to listen to what we're saying. But in my opinion, this was like a self-serving – I'm going to announce my retirement. I want the fanfare. I want everybody – uh, to appreciate my work. I want my legacy to be built this year, and I want everybody to spend their year talking about my greatness, which is one way to go about it. But um, what, are your, what are your initial thoughts on Wade as far as him retiring, how he went about it, and, and what his legacy will be because of it? Yeah, I mean, we've seen it before. They did it with Kobe, too, a little bit, and and it's – kind of the nature of the beast of basketball you know basketball is such a superstar driven sport that's what hooks people in there's a lot of people who are just fans of a player and not necessarily of a team so you kind of have to you know take the good with the bad there but maybe it's because the heat weren't that good this year maybe it's because of the whole spectacle of the jersey swap but yeah something about this whole thing rubbed me the wrong way um to see him kind of the last few games too, like really milk it is also a little bit frustrating. I mean, Wade's a great player. Um, I've enjoyed watching him his entire career, but this last season has tarnished how much of a, you know, likable guy he was to me uh, beforehand, just because like you said, it just seems self-serving and kind of all eyes on me. It's all about me. Um, Even though I think overall he's a great guy and he, before this it never seemed like there was any indication of otherwise but yeah something about this last year left a bad taste in my mouth it 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 just felt like it it wasn't necessary I don't think anybody was questioning how good Dwayne Wade was but now it's worked in the opposite effect for me where I'm questioning was he actually as good part of these long retirement tours make it makes the general public who didn't follow his career 
think he was one of the all-time greats. And sure, that word can be tossed around. That phrase can be tossed around. What does all-time great mean? Is he a top five shooting guard? Probably. Is he a top 10 player? No way. Um, but the whole, like, let's spend the year trading jerseys. And just for reference, every time we do a podcast, I, I go outside and trade my shirt with whoever's <laughs> standing in the parking lot, um, no matter if they've had an impact on me or not. But, again, it, I think it's, the, the primary job of, of the long farewell is to make the player's career seem better than it was. And again, I, I'm a Wade fan. I, I like watching him for years. But he never won an MVP. He was never considered the best player in the league. He was a scoring champ once. Uh, his lifetime numbers were like t- a little over 21, 5, and 5. He made the first team only twice. And granted, sometimes the first team voting can be skewed a little bit. But to only make it twice is, you know, you can't be considered one of the greatest ever with that resume. He made all defensive team three times, and he made close to $200 million. So his his resume is not bad by any means. He, he won the championship three times. He was the finals MVP once. So nobody's arguing his greatness. But just to give some perspective, Moses Malone averaged 20 and 12. He won one championship, one finals MVP. He was the league MVP three times and first-teamer four times. Is there anybody in modern-day NBA who would say that Moses Malone was better than Dwayne Wade? No, and and obviously a little bit of that is recency bias and people having actually watched Wade versus not watching Moses Malone being too young or whatever it may be. But, yeah, I think that's a good point because this last year has made it seem, one, like, Dwayne Wade was dying of something, um, and we've talked about that in the past. <laughs> Seemed like it was a farewell from life tour more than uh, from basketball. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's a great player. He's been on some great teams. Obviously, he had a you know a great run in the 06 finals. But when you compare it to somebody like Moses Malone, whose stats are as good or better or resumes as good as be- or better, uh, at least individually, uh, it kind of knocks – not doesn't knock Wade down, but it puts him back to where he probably should be in the general talk of greatest of all time. So, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in the camp of wanting to just let him have his day here, but it's been his day for the last year of basketball. So, I think I'm not I'm sad to see him go as a player, but I am happy to not have to watch this every day, night in and night out next year. Yeah, especially on a team that, like you said, it's not. I'd like to see Wade in the playoffs in the in a on a team that can compete because he still can play and it just didn't feel like that's the route he wanted to go or maybe he tried to with Cleveland last year um he definitely didn't try in Chicago he wanted more money that's clearly documented um which good for him because he sacrificed when when LeBron and those guys came and he thought it was time for Miami to pay him and they didn't so that's fine but I feel like he could he could help a playoff team in crunch time. He could be on the floor. He could help them close. But again, I it's fine to have your own day. But the NBA season's so long, and to do it every single oh, it's his last game in Minnesota. It's like <laughs> oh yeah, all those times he went to Minnesota and they just they just battled it out for his whole year for for his whole career. So um, I wanted to bring up Moses just to give some perspective into you would never say Moses Malone is among the top five players of all time or top 10. 
but he's a three-time league MVP, and, and Wade never won the MVP, so I don't know what that says. The one comparable I had, other than – I thought Kobe was too too good to be in the same comparison. Like, it makes sense for the long farewell for Kobe. He stayed with the Lakers his whole career, He five championships, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm fine with that. But Paul Pierce, which is funny because it's been a debate the last week, specifically started by Paul Pierce, uh, who had a better career, him or Wade. But he did that thing where it was like he left Boston, he went to Brooklyn, went to Washington, went to the Clippers. And then this last year, he did a little farewell thing where he got some tribute videos and all that kind of stuff. Let's not forget, Paul Pierce was a 19-5-4 guy. He made the finals twice. He was the finals MVP, and he, he won the championship once. But he only made a second team once, and he made a third team three times. So let's just say on air, and if Paul Pierce is listening, again, write me a nice letter. (laughs) I'll respond. Um, Dwayne Wade had a better career than you did. I don't care if he had LeBron or not because Paul Pierce was like, well, if I had LeBron, I'd have six titles instead of one. It's like, well, you did have KG and and Ray Allen in in relatively their primes, and you only have one. So, Paul, you didn't have as good a career. Sorry, Paul. I've never been a fan of Paul Pierce. particularly because he always killed the Knicks, but also just never really liked his game too much. He's the, He's got the kind of game of when he scores on you, you're like, oh, my God, because it's so herky-jerky and he's pump-faking and he's taking twos with his feet on the three-point line type of guy. But, uh, yeah, we can definitively say that Dwayne Wade had a better career than Paul Pierce. Where does Wade rank in the history? That's still up for debate, but it was definitely he's definitely above Paul Pierce. One thing I want to say about Dwayne Wade before we go to basically the opposite style of farewell next is that uh, Dwayne Wade did the reverse of many all-time greats in terms of his hair. And this is something I noticed in some of these tribute videos that they've been making for him. Like when you saw Jordan or Kobe in those tribute videos, like Kobe had the mini fro when he got into the league and then, you know, he started cutting it down a little bit and then he went bald. Same with Jordan, you know, had a little bit of hair, went bald. D-Wade, when he was first in the league, looked like he was cutting his own hair. Looked like he was just, like, taking a buzzer, (laughs) putting it on one level and and shaving his whole head. And now, like, over the last couple years, he had grown it out a little bit, put a little texture on it. This year, he's braiding it. Like, he went from having the old guy hairstyle to the young guy hairstyle over the course of his career where everybody else seems to be doing the reverse, mostly because they're going bald. Yeah, no, I, re- I respect the move. And, uh, again, he, he has the game to continue playing. So, again, we were laughing last week. It's going to be great when he shows up next year at training camp. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm good to go. We're, we're doing this again. Um, but, again, not to take away anything from his career, but just – it, I'm just it would be the, it would be funny one one last dance stuff yeah it would be funny like the one last dance thing has been like the hashtag and kind of the title of the farewell tour here if he called next year the encore like yeah it's like he went off stage one last dance but then he came back for the encore <laughs> yeah I can only imagine who he, he would jersey swap with next year cam reddish all the battles he <laughs> had with cam reddish yeah um but that's enough on Dwayne Wade. Good for him. Good career. Uh, definitely a Hall of Famer. The next guy, the Dirk, is is it's the retirement when a guy's having too much fun to quit, even though it feels like everyone knows he should be done playing. But the fact that he was on a rebuilding team is perfect. If if Dirk was on the Warriors or whatever, and he was trying to get minutes for them, it'd be like, what is this dude doing? 
But being on Dallas when they're rebuilding, it doesn't matter if he plays 20 minutes or not. And he he looked like a scarecrow for mo- most of this season, and he was really banged up. But um, he didn't say he was retiring until the very end, even though it kind of felt like he was. So kind of the opposite of the one last dance. No jersey swaps, just a quick message to the fans at, in the last game. And uh, a great a great career for Dirk. And, and you just feel better about the way you retired. And I'm not saying Wade or, and Dirk are comparable. I don't I don't really know who's better, to be honest. But uh, I just like the way Dirk did it a little bit better. Yeah, I uh, very stupidly did not go to his last game in Dallas. Um, our intern texted us or texted me and said – because he was playing Wade actually in the last home game and was talking about the game. And I was like, God damn it. All year I was waiting on buying tickets to that last game. And it just completely slipped my mind over the last week or two. But uh, he had 30 in his last home game in Dallas. Like I think the reason he stuck around just from having gone to the games while I've been down here is because this place loves him so much. Uh, a guy who's been in Dallas his whole career, won them a title. Uh, you know, he's, he's just had such a solid career all the way around. And he's been, such a nice guy within the community. He didn't have an agent. He negotiated his own deals. He took pay cuts in order to stay with Dallas. Like, just a likable guy in general. And then, like you said, everybody kind of knew the retirement was coming, but he didn't announce it until after his last home game um, and he's in an emotional speech and, and things like that. So I think if there's a way to go out, that's probably the way I would prefer. You know, people understand that it's your last season. I mean – if you look at Dirk, we've said in the past, he looks like he was built of wood as he's running. Um, and, you know, he's only averaging a couple minutes a game, a couple points or whatever. So we knew this was the end, but he, uh, in typical Dirk fashion, didn't really shine the light on himself, kind of did his own business, kept enjoying playing basketball, and then hung it up right at the end. Yeah, he, it felt like he could have ended his career when they won that title in whatever it was, 2011. It just <laughs> – it felt like that was the end of his competitive career. He was, he was happy with what he did. Uh, he was just relieved that he finally got over that that hill. He has an MVP. He's got a Finals MVP championship. He spent his whole career in Dallas. It, it it gets that feeling that the the foreign players, and it, I kind of feel the way with Giannis, but again, you never know, where they just like settle into a city and they really like it and they have no reason to leave. I, I'm not sure what what that is. Maybe it's just something about moving from Europe to America and and. Dallas embracing him and loving him that he's just like I don't see any reason to bounce back and forth but um to finish his it sucks to finish your career like this season he averaged like seven points a game and three rebounds in only 15 minutes a game where for his career he was always like a 28 and you know whatever kind of guy um sucks to see it end that way but the fact that he did it on a rebuilding team and he was happy and, and everybody loved it is as perfect as you can as you can be for a guy who spent his whole career on one team. Yeah, I'll say even though his numbers were were not typical Dirk, uh, you know, over the last few years, and with how exciting Luca's been and everything, an unbelievable Luca step back three late in the game brings a big cheer, but it still doesn't compare to a Dirk trail three in the middle of a game that makes that has no value. You know, the place would go crazy anytime Dirk hit a shot. Um, so even though his numbers were a little bit down, it didn't seem to diminish you know, any sort of the happiness felt by both the fans and Dirk himself. Yeah, and, and he'll go down as the best Maverick ever and one of the best forwards ever and arguably the best foreign player. I mean, Hakeem's up there too. But, again, him and Wade had eerily similar careers. I think Dirk will probably finish ahead of him, but uh, 
just two completely different ways to go throughout a season. And the fact that they played each other on his last night and they both scored 30 in their final game is pretty funny. I was looking for some comparisons. And the thing is, there's so many different ways to retire. So it's hard to generalize. But I thought maybe Larry Bird, because I know he was breaking down. But the fact is, his last, even in his last season, he averaged 29 and or 20 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, which is hilarious because he had a big-ass <laughs> uh, back brace. He was struggling up and down the court. He only played 45 games. But to put up 29 and 7 in a season for anybody at any time in their career would be remarkable. Yeah, I, people forget how dominant Bird was. And he is kind of the all-time uh, paradox in terms of how you look versus how you play. Because that guy, he his whole demeanor and like look on the court was so away from what typical NBA all-stars look like that it actually was like kind of cool. It was like, you know, so out of style that it was in style type of thing. And later in his career, when his body started breaking down too, he even, he looked a little slower, a little clunkier, but to still put up 29 and seven in your final year while playing 36 minutes a game is unbelievable. Yeah. I heard somebody, somebody asked me the other day, uh, well, who's better, Paul George or Larry Bird? And I was like, all right, man. There's something there's something <laughs> clearly going on here. Paul George is having a great year, but let's not forget uh Larry Bird won 3 MVPs in a row in a in one of the most competitive times in in recent basketball history. So, let's not forget how good he was and the fact that he did what he did in this last year is remarkable. Uh, the the guy who was most similar in my opinion was David Robinson. He he was breaking down um he finished his last year well below his career averages were like 21, 11 and three blocks. And his last year he was like eight, eight in one block, but he won a title. He, he latched on to, uh, embraced Tim Duncan and did it his own way. So the fact that he stayed in San Antonio, his whole career didn't make a big deal of his retirement. Everybody knew he should be done. And yet he still contributed in the finals. Um, was the most con- most similar comparison I could find. I don't know if you have any off offhand, but that was the best Dirk um, farewell similarity I could find. Yeah, I mean, definitely from a number standpoint. Obviously, their games were wildly different. Um, it's actually surprising to me when you talk about Robinson and Duncan being together because we we put Tim Duncan like way ahead of you know probably Dirk and Duncan or David Robinson. He's widely considered the best power forward of all time, even though you could make an argument that he's a center, but we think he's so much better numbers wise though. I don't correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe he only averaged 20 and 11 for his career. Maybe even a little less. Yeah, No, he was right around there. Um, But the the difference for him was, I mean, he made the all NBA first team 10 times. He made the second team five times. He made all NBA defense first team eight times. So, I mean, he's a three-time finals MVP and a two-time league MVP. So, every No, and I'm not saying – and that's that's for very good reason why he's ahead of the rest of the guys. But it's funny when you just look at the amount of points and rebounds he averaged. It's not far off from Dirk or David Robinson. It's actually underneath them. So, to, to see that, you know, his overall numbers in terms of, like, point averages and things like that is pretty on par with those guys. But for him to have so many more accolades – and uh, you know championships and things like that. It's actually pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it's the difference. With, it's the difference between numbers and impact. And and clearly, 
Tim Duncan, one of the best defenders ever and one of the most impactful offensive and defensive threats that we've ever seen. Uh, the ne- the next farewell was prob- is what we call not by choice. I just called it the melt. Well, it's also, you just said uh, that's the difference between numbers and impact, meaning that Timmy D had a lot more impact than his numbers would uh, say. I think this next guy is the absolute reverse of that. You look at his numbers and you would think he should have more impact than he did, but continue. Yeah, this is what we call the the farewell because nobody wants to pay you to play basketball anymore. So appropriately titled the Carmelo or the Mellow for short, as he was known for his career if you don't follow basketball. Um, <laughs> but are listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, so the fact that he's at – he right now he's out of the league and he's 34 years old um, – and I haven't heard anything that would suggest that he's going to get back into it. But to be a high-volume scorer, all-star for many years, one of the league leaders in scoring every year, and all of a sudden you're out of a job at 34 and nobody wants you, even for 15 minutes off the bench in a playoff series, and maybe that's because Melo, for some reason, couldn't accept the fact that he would have to come off the bench. I'm not sure. Sh- these guys' egos sometimes just get in the way of continuing their careers where certain other guys are like – like Tim Duncan's a perfect example. He probably could have continued playing and made an impact for 20 minutes off the bench every single game, and he accepted his role as like a late in my career. And obviously comparing Duncan to Melo is ridiculous because Duncan is not in the same um, atmosphere as, as Melo is. But it's just the difference between accepting what you've become and sticking to, oh, I'm still the 25 and and 5 guy I've always been. And it's like, Melo, no, you're not. You haven't been for six years. (laughs) And to not accept that is got to be a big reason for why NBA teams are not even calling him. He played 10 games this year for, for Houston. He only scored 13 a game. And the other piece is he's not—he's never been significantly injured, so it's not like his body's breaking down and, and nobody can trust it. I mean, even Joe Johnson latched on for years with just going from contender to contender, and it seems like Melo's career is over. Yeah, it's, it's kind of remarkable because, you know, obviously that class of like LeBron, D. Wade, Melo, Chris Bosh, three out of four of them are out of the league right now, and one of them is still basically at, at the top of his game. You know, he's obviously on the downhill from his peak but like LeBron still put up crazy numbers this year granted on a bad team but to think that Wade's retiring though it seems like he could play a few extra years uh Bosch kind of had his career taken from him with some of the health issues and then Mello who hasn't really had any severe health issues averaged 24 points a game for his career definitely could still help is the one out of those three who the league is choosing not to play you know like teams would still take Wade teams would still take Bosch if he was healthy Teams don't want Carmelo, which is hilarious to me because, like we said, like he could contribute on a contender team. I think it's just a matter of role, you know. Like some guys will stay in the league for twenty years because they understand where they fit within a team. And Melo is is one of the best four hundred and fifty players in the world, so he should be in the NBA. But he's not one of the best, you know, thirty to sixty superstars. So if he's not going to be in that superstar role, you know, the one to two on each team seems like he doesn't want to play. And if that's the case, he's not going to play. Yeah, it was almost one of those he he's not willing to settle for any role other than a starter. So the teams were like, "Okay, well then you're not you're not going to have any role." And I, I was laughing because uh the picture came out yesterday, I think it was, of like the Banana Boat Boys showed up for Dwayne Wade's last game. 
And I was like, yeah, of course Melo's available to travel. <laughs> he, he's not he's not doing anything. Um, he just hasn't had his retirement tour yet because he – I don't think he's retired. I think the word is unemployed. So it's a tough one for him. But he ruined the Knicks franchise, not single-handedly, but he contributed to it. And for, for that, I'll always thank him for it. Yeah, uh, he had a, actually a funny moment at the game the other day when he was sitting courtside and the ball went to him and he picked it up and he acted like he was going to shoot it. I'll give it to him. I've always liked I've always liked Melo, just like him as himself. Uh, you know, people gave him shit a lot because he didn't play great defense and you know, obviously the whole debacle with the Knicks franchise. You would think I'd be bitter about it, but the Knicks have made horrible decisions before Melo and they've made horrible decisions after. So you can't really put that, the onus on him there, but uh, yeah, I would like to see him come back and play. Like if he wants a championship, if he wants to, you know, keep playing by all means, why not be, you know, a solid veteran off the bench for a contending team? You know, I, I don't see any shame in that. I don't see any sort of, uh, you know, pride loss in doing that, but maybe he does, or maybe he just, you know, doesn't have the fire that he used to have for it anymore. But Either way, right now, uh, he falls into the unemployed category, and he's looking like he's going to go into the forced retirement category. Yeah, if he was if he was really about winning, and because he said in the past that he, you know he just wants to win, he'll do anything to win, and it's not about the money. Even though he published an article that it was about the money, um, he he wrote he didn't write the article, but he published it. He was <laughs> he did an interview where he said it was about building his brand in New York and not always necessarily about winning. Um, but it's it's clearly not about championships for him because if it was, he'd be willing to go to somebody come off the bench and provide energy and, and leadership, but he, he can't seem to do that. So I'm not sure he'll be continuing his NBA career going forward. There's probably 20 guys that did something similar that I, I – I didn't want to go down that hole because it's not really worth it, in my opinion. The one guy I could think of that stuck out was Allen Iverson. A little bit different. He had a ton of injuries. So, undersized guard who re- relies on his quickness. It's it's not a good thing when your body's breaking down, and, and it's really tough to compete in the league. I mean, look at Isaiah Thomas. He went f- three years ago from averaging 29 a game to like, he might be out of the league soon. Um, he hasn't looked good at all in Denver. And Iverson took a similar path. He was out of the league at age 34, and he had only been in there for 13 years. But a high-volume, undersized guard who is not as ex- explosive, it would make more sense. But again, you would think a guy with his resume and his ability to score and provide energy off the bench would help contending teams. And it looked like after a couple teams tried it, everybody else understood that he was no longer going to be a good teammate and no longer going to help and he was forced into retirement early as well yeah I mean a a big part of that is obviously the same as Mello and it comes down to attitude and accepting your role and things like that and like you said teams tried it out with Iverson didn't seem to fit in that secondary role like teams would have liked him to maybe it was on Iverson maybe it was on the team trying to work him in but Mello is definitely in the same boat there also points wise you know, Melo was around 25 for his career, and this last season he's had 13. Iverson was around 26, and he had 14 in his last year. So I think that's about as good of a comparison as you're going to get there. Yeah, and just sad because they were, they were both high-volume scorers who had their moments. Like, Melo had a moment in time where, you know, I think he finished third in, in MVP voting. He was looking like the answer in New York because I'm not completely bitter on him. I mean, he had some good times, but – 
it, just the last five years have been what I think Melo is overall. He's just a guy who wants to score. He wants to start. He wants to be the man. I think he wants to be talked about in the same breath as Wade, uh, Bosch, and LeBron, and he's, his career just doesn't back that up. But moving on, um, the other one we talked about was Magic, and then we'll we'll maybe add a couple new ones. <laughs> the ma- the Magic farewell is just the the rarely seen uh, quit your job in a press conference without telling your boss, which is uh, if I could do that, that's if I could go back in time and quit my first job again, maybe I would just do it on a podcast that he would not listen to. So um, <laughs> trying to think how that would work. But yeah, he said he was afraid of um, talking face to face with Genie Bus, and he just said um, he's looking forward to just going back to having fun. So, uh, what are your thoughts on Magic Johnson? Is are you surprised that a guy who is worth so much money doesn't want to do all the ins and outs of uh, the job of the president of basketball operations? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been widely known around the league that he wasn't always available in the way that a president of basketball operations of an NBA franchise, specifically the arguably the most famous NBA franchise should be. So no, it doesn't, especially like, you know, the last few years have been a rebuild. There hasn't been a whole lot of pressure in LA. And then you add, you know, the greatest player of this generation who, and all these lofty expectations. And then it turns out to be an absolute shit show. You probably realize that LeBron wants to pull the strings a little more than he thought with that whole Anthony Davis and LeBron trying to, you know, hinting at trading the entire team type of thing and now demanding that somebody else needs to be there. I'm sure Magic just sat down one day and was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am, why am I putting myself through this? I'm an NBA legend. You know, I've already done enough in my basketball career, both on and off the court. Like, why am I putting up with this? So he probably thought about that. He probably looked at the potential prospects for this offseason and just said, yeah, I'm not doing this for another five years or whatever it is. Right. He When, when the team is bad and they hired him, it felt like a hire to be like, "Hey, look, we got something exciting. Don't don't look at our team. Look over here. Look over yeah. here. Magic's Magic's he's standing over here. Look at him smiling." <laughs> and then uh, Magic's like, "This is awesome. Everybody just loves me for me." He gets LeBron there, and then doesn't realize that when LeBron comes to town, there's pressure to win right away. And all of a sudden, he's like, "Wait, people aren't people don't universally love me anymore. They're they're talking shit about me, and I actually have to figure this out." Uh, not not shocked that he called it quits i am shocked that he did it in a press conference and uh, the funny comparison is that he also quit in 1991 in a press conference so it seems to be a trend there but in 1991 is for different reasons reasons i won't get into today yeah uh not not quite the same reason there but uh i guess a press conference is the unifying thread there or not maybe there's some stuff we don't know about this time he's quitting but anyway um farewells all around um, over the overblown one, uh, I prefer the the Dirk farewell or just kind of, you know, you could say it's your last season, but, you know, you don't need to make a spectacle of it night in, night out. But people do it their own way. They're multi, multi, multi-million dollar athletes, so who am I to say anything? There are some people who are getting towards the twilight of their career here that could potentially, we could be having this conversation in five years when we're on episode uh, 46, because we're probably going to slow down the production of these pretty soon. Um, but no, there's some people coming up on retirement here that potentially could be real bad. And uh, since we were just talking about the Lakers, we'll say it right now, LeBron. We both are LeBron fans. You know, He's the greatest player we've seen uh, in our generation and in our time watching basketball. But 
Jesus Christ, this has the potential to be the most annoying year of all time, the year he retires. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't if he's just going to make a a 22-part documentary series <laughs> on his final season. Uh, we've always said love LeBron on the court has some of the most annoying corniest social media stuff and again who knows if he's running it himself um he's perfected his brand off the court as far as limiting the negativity and and you never hear a bad thing about him outside of the annoying stuff he does but um yeah i'm not looking forward to that one at all it's gonna be filled with he's definitely the greatest of all time or or people who don't agree or kobe was always better It, it has potential to be the most complicated and annoying uh, retirement in in NBA history, I would say. So that's saying a lot, but when you're LeBron and you carry that much weight in the league, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a tough one. Which his, his good buddy CP3 has has potential for an annoying farewell tour as well. In my opinion, it'll be a Dwayne Wade type where people forget that Chris Paul never won an MVP. Uh, right now, he ha- he does not have a championship. He doesn't have accolades. He has a lot of accolades, but nothing compared to Dirk or or even Wade. So that's going to be one of those where it's like the greatest point guard ever. It's like no, he's not. He's not. Let's just stop that. Stop <laughs> that right now. Um, maybe the greatest point guard in the last ten years. But again, it's going to be one of those where I think his his career is overblown. And again, Chris Paul, it's. It's well documented that he's never been the greatest teammate, and he—I I, don't—he's never made it to the finals. He made it to the conference finals last year and got hurt. So that's another one I'm not looking forward to. Are there any that you actually are excited about? I can't—I could not think of one that I'm excited about. Yeah, just to to close out CP3, I'm not looking forward to the State Farm commercials relating to his retirement and getting an IRA or some sort of retirement insurance that they're going to spin that into. Um, and I'm all down for uh, Oscar from The Office getting more work, but the State Farm commercials uh, for CP3 during his retirement season aren't, aren't going to be great. I also don't think he'll do the retirement tour like Wade, mostly because Wade is like a widely loved guy around the league and CP3 is not. So I think a lot of teams were comfortable giving Wade a little video or a little shout out when he came to their gym. I think a lot of teams, coaches, and players dislike Chris Paul. Um, especially as a player, you know, personally is obviously different, but so I don't, I don't think he'll get the retirement tour that Wade does, even if he wants it. Um, but for me, I think, uh, how Dwight Howard eventually fizzles out of the league. Like if you talk to a casual basketball fan, they probably wouldn't even know Dwight Howard's still in the league, but it's probably coming within the next few years. I'd just be interested to see if Dwight being Dwight makes it into a scene, one of those where you know, he's starts bringing up how good of a career he had, even though he's been irrelevant for the last few years. And, you know, it, it has a situation to get pretty, uh, I want to say sad almost, you know, pretty like him trying to put himself into the spotlight, even though nobody wants to put him there. But I don't know. I'd, I'd be intrigued to see how that happens. It feels like he retired four years ago uh, yeah. as far as rel- relevancy. And my thought is it's either going to be – an annoying retirement or a forced mellow retirement. And I predicted this year that he was going to be waived by Washington and I will predict whatever team he's on next year, he will be waived. So I think <laughs> a, a for a forced mellow is coming. 
Not sure what team it'll finish on. It would be funny when uh, if he did a, a last season, if the 12 teams he played on all did tribute videos. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Um, the one we didn't talk about that I just want to talk about real quick is something I call the Shack, or it could be named whatever. But this is the guy who retires but is on TV all the time. And I love Shaq, and I and I think he's one of the most dominant players. That's not a hot take by any means. Um, but he's one of those guys who will always be in the discussion for greatest centers or greatest players because he's in your face all the time. Well, he's actually he's a, the one discussing it. Right. He's always, On his Instagram, he's always like, who's your favorite center? Be honest. And then like the thousand idiots who think Shaq is going to shout him out, like says it's him. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't, who is that for? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what, what is that lifestyle for? I don't think Shaq is the one running that Instagram account. Shaq is a businessman through and through. I mean, uh, just Google it if, if you're interested in seeing all his kind of off the court business exploits because he's done very well for himself. So he kind of seems like a calculated guy as well. I mean, he's a little more uh, off the cuff than somebody like LeBron say, but uh, you know, he's put himself in the spotlight. He likes being in the spotlight. It's part of the reason he went to LA from Orlando and he's continued that throughout the rest of his career. So he'll linger forever and he'll be people's favorite players, even if they never saw him play because they'll, you know, basically see him all the time. He's just a television personality. He's very likable. People love him. I mean, it's kind of the same with Charles Barkley. Um, I watched the final four Auburn game with somebody who went to Auburn, who's not a huge basketball fan. And she knew Charles Barkley very well because he went to Auburn, obviously. And she knows him from his TV exploits. So I was, I was like, Oh, you like, you know, Charles Barkley, like blah, 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 like talking about it. Cause I didn't think she was a big basketball fan. She's like, yeah, I used to come to football games at Auburn. And like, I always see him on TV and like, I love him. I'm like, so you don't even know him as a player, like at all. She's like, no, nah, not really. So yeah. There, on, on there's a side that note, whole do you, subsection. Do you think, of uh, do you, do you think Barkley actually followed Auburn basketball from the time he uh, left school to the time they made the Final Four this year? Or do you think he just hopped back on when he when he heard they were good? Uh, I don't think Charles Barkley watches NBA basketball, but I I wouldn't it wouldn't put I wouldn't be surprised if he followed Auburn because it seems like he actually is pretty committed to being an alumni of Auburn. Like if he's going to football games, doing things like that, like wouldn't surprise me if he checked up on it. Is he watching games? Probably not but he's probably checking box scores or talking to people. Okay. Well, that's reasonable. I disagree, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> it feels like one of those guys who, like, yeah, whatever. You get the point. Uh, the, the leading candidate for the next Shaq, in my opinion, is Chris Webber, and that's specifically because he's on, he's, he's on TV more and more now. He's not in the Hall of Fame yet, but he's a candidate, and this is a topic for a different day. But the idea of the NBA Hall of Fame is annoying because it feels like guys that are in the spotlight after their careers get a lot of attention, whether they deserve it or not. Like, I thought T-Mac should have got in, but if he didn't, I wouldn't be, like, upset about it because he had he had a great career, but he didn't – never won a finals, never won an MVP, that kind of stuff. So just to give Chris Webber a little perspective, he had a year where he averaged, like, 27 and 12 or something crazy – but he was only an all-star five times. He only made the first team All-NBA once, the third team twice, or the second team three times. And he averaged 20, 10, and, and four assists for his career. So those are great numbers, but it's, I don't know, does he belong in the Hall of Fame? That's probably, we could probably break that down for 30 minutes, but it feels like his chances have significantly increased because he's on TV. 
Yeah, well, I also think a part of the Hall of Fame just in general is since basketball is a relatively new sport, specifically NBA basketball, you know, it's, you know, what, 60, 70 years old at this point? Like, it's not – it's still, you know, pretty young in terms of a professional sports league. And early on, I feel like they were putting a lot of guys into the Hall of Fame who now when you look back on their career, you're like, I don't know if that guy should be in the Hall of Fame. But since there was such a smaller pool of total players – they were just adding a lot more people in. So as careers go on, they keep adding more and more people. The Hall of Fame is massive. It's starting to lose its value of like who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. So like a career like Chris Webber, it's obviously a great career for an NBA player, but it's a career that's happened for a lot of guys. And it's just one of those, at some point, you're going to have to cap what determines being a Hall of Fame player versus what determines being you know, one of the better players in your era, but not necessarily in the grand scheme of NBA basketball in all of history, one of the best. I, w- I wonder if if they have. Um, I'm sure the voters have a protocol that they try to follow, and, and maybe some numbers based stuff and accolade based stuff. But it'd be interesting to understand what the process is, because if the guidelines were like, all right, well they have to have made the NBA first team f- f- at least four times, they have to have made the finals twice or, or, you know what I mean? Like if, I wonder if they run down a list of, did they finish an MVP voting in the top five at all in their career? Did they make a defensive first team? Did, you know, all that kind of stuff would be interesting to understand. But in my opinion, I, and and I know nothing about the process. It feels like sometimes they're like, Oh yeah, Chris Webber. Yeah. He was pretty good. He had some good years and let's not look at his numbers or his accolades or his all-stars. Let's just put him in. He's on TV. Let's let's throw him in there. So not to take away anything from Chris Webber, but it feels like that process can be sometimes um, less strict than it should be. But a couple more, and then we'll be done here. Jimmy Butler, he, he's my leading uh, Carmelo candidate for the future because it feels like he's already uh, tired out three different franchises. It doesn't feel like Philly even likes him. So... It wouldn't surprise me if when he gets a four-year deal from the Knicks this offseason and then the Knicks try to <laughs> trade him two, two years into it, that he doesn't he's struggling for work. So looking forward to that. And uh, looking forward to Draymond to kind of follow the Shaq and, and C-Web and Charles Barkley method where he retires. You know, he has a, a good career with some, with some championships, but he's in the discussion of best power forwards even though he doesn't belong there. Yeah, and then – he uh, parlays his on-TV fame into being uh, Donkey in the Shrek live rebu- reboot. <laughs> uh, no, I know what you mean, though. He's going to linger for a while. And like like Barkley, like people loved Barkley. He def- Barkley definitely has a lot more personality than uh, Draymond does. But Barkley was also kind of a dickhead when he was on the court, and Draymond's kind of the same way. People love him for it if you're a fan. People hate him for it if you're not. So it feels like he'll linger and he'll uh, continue being annoying to the people who don't like him and – people who do will love him um but yeah he's gonna he's gonna be so overrated in the grand scheme of things because people are gonna look back on the warriors run and uh that obviously shines a positive light on him but i uh hope i don't have to deal with his retirement i hope it's kind of just one of those bottom of the ticker type stories as opposed to a uh big blown out spectacle it feels like if he gets traded or or signs with another team that his career will kind of not fizzle out, but it, he'll be out of the spotlight. He'll average his 
15, 10, and, and 5, uh, and then kind of fade away, but who knows. Uh, that's all I got for farewells. It's just interesting to, to look at, and we could have, when I was looking up some stats and numbers and uh, different careers, I could spend all day on the different kind of retirements. We didn't even talk about Michael Jordan's retirement, or we could have went in-depth on Magic's two retirements, and we could have spent hours on all the different ways you can say farewell to the game. And just thought it was interesting because this week alone, we got Wade, we got Dirk, we got Magic, and we got Carmelo. So just interesting to look into those kind of stories because it's not something you really think of. And the fact you can do it in different ways is pretty funny. Um, Let's take a, a quick break and then we'll talk about some upcoming stuff and then we'll say farewell to number 40. All right, bringing 40 to a close here. Uh, like we said, the Masters, great weekend of golf. If, if you're not a golf fan, check it out anyway. It's 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 great napping TV. Uh, you get the soft embrace of Jim Nance's uh, whisper, and you get to see Tiger win the green jacket, gold jacket, who gives a shit on Sunday. <laughs> in, in other news, Game of Thrones coming back Sunday. Jack, I know you don't watch it. Um, if you have time to watch all seven seasons before Sunday, I highly suggest it. Um, I'm sure I saw, I saw something today. It said, if you want to watch all of game of Thrones, if you've never seen it and you want to watch all of it before the premiere on Sunday, you have to start at five 30 AM tomorrow and take zero breaks until the premiere on Sunday. <laughs> that seems like a challenge that you're willing to accept. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure the assholes of the internet will be trying to ruin it for everybody. Uh, when they get leaks or, or spoilers or whatever, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stay off the interwebs. And uh, in other news, the the band is heading to Denver next week for a certain pers- person's bachelor party who will not be named. Um, but we're gonna try to do a, a roundtable pod. Not sure if it will actually happen between all of the other nonsense. Um, but looking forward to to getting away because you know. The lifestyle we lead, as we've told on podcasts, is uh, we never get to travel and we never have interesting stories. So, <laughs> Well, I'm excited for Denver next week. I'm excited to uh, swap my T-shirt with a random guy at a bar after we have a beer together um, <laughs> and then swap that shirt at the next bar and so on and so forth. So uh, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to uh, hopefully make it back from Denver so we can keep this podcast going. But honestly, we're talking about farewells. If this is the last one, it's the last one, you know, at least we made it to 40. It's 30. I think the over under was one and a half. So, uh, similar to the jeopardy guy, we crushed that. Uh, it's just a matter of if we can sustain this blazing pace that we've set. Yeah. We always said we wanted to make exactly 40. So the fact we've done it, uh, in just over a year and a half or whatever it's been is, is it's been a journey. And if we don't record another one, you know, I won't say it was a waste of time, but, but you know, some people will say it is talk about uh types of farewells we're definitely in the mellow category in terms of nobody wants to pay us to do this so uh (laughs) if that's the case that's the case and uh we'll see you from the sidelines yeah take care maybe we'll see you for 41 hey gilmore you suck you jackass why don't you shut the hell up jackass Whoa, the club went further than the ball. You're gonna need a blanket and suntan lotion because you're never gonna get off that beach just the way you never got into the NHL, you jackass.